They're already gone. We don't even have to worry about it now. They weren't waiting on me anyway. So our scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Uh, the bulletin has it wrong. That's last week's scripture. Um, unless you want me to preach last week's sermon again, I can do that. Did I hear a no? Yeah. You may change your mind in a minute. Um, it's the scripture in the Bible in the pew is found on page 1,205. And that's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. There it's written. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I bet you wish I was preaching last week's sermon now. Once was enough. Uh, I just keep setting myself up today. You know, here we find Peter talking about marriage and roles of women, roles of men, our attitudes and expectations of marriage. Uh, but, the but this isn't the common scripture we think of when we think of marriage and the Bible. Most of us, it would conjure up an image of a wedding ceremony taking place in a beautiful sanctuary such as this one. Uh, the bride adorned in white and, and the groom clumsily standing there smiling. Um, and if it's in the 70s, he's in a blue tuxedo for some reason. Um, and, and there they're getting married. And as, as the wedding ceremony continues, the, the pastor, the preacher of the ceremony, reads from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 known as the love chapter, right? And if you are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, but have not love, right? And it goes on, love is patient, love is kind, love is not boastful or envious, it does not insist on its own way, it is not resentful, but love believes all things, hopes all things, bears all things, endures all things. But that chapter that Paul writes to the Corinthians has actually little to do with a wedding ceremony and everything to do with our conduct amongst each other as fellow Christians within the church. 
See, from chapter 12 through chapter 14, he's talking about the body of Christ at large and what it means to be part of the body of Christ, universal and locally in a church. And so, and so really, the, that love he speaks of is the love you're supposed to have to the person three rows in front of you that you haven't spoken to in two years. Uh-oh. You're like, Peter didn't talk about this. Let's go back to husbands and wives. And, but... Peter here, he talks about wives and husbands and, and what it is to be like. But in these verses, he, he talks a lot about the wives and a little bit about the husbands. But he still doesn't talk exhaustively about wives and husbands. At least not as much as Paul would surmise in his writing when he talks to churches about wives and husbands. And so I believe there's some things that need to be said about what he doesn't say in this scripture to begin. I mean, first, uh, we, it's appropriate to acknowledge that there has been pain brought from this scripture, that um, evil people with selfish desires, sinful motives have used scriptures such as this, and churches have used scriptures such as this, to pigeonhole and to pin women down into very hard and oppressive places. And, and, so, and so scriptures like this can be painful. But Peter's call to submission of wives to their husbands does not mean that if your husband asks you to abandon your Christian faith, that you should do it. It does not mean that if your husband asks you to sin, that you should go and do that. It does not mean that you must always agree with him and never present a differing view, as Ashley can attest to. It does not mean that if he is unfaithful to you, you are left without biblical recourse. It does not mean that if he abuses you physically or abandons you through incessant verbal humiliation, you must remain quietly in the home and accept the daily cruelty of that relationship at all costs. That is not the submission Peter is talking about. And to every woman who is experiencing trying times at this moment, or who has gone through them in the past, or will face them in the future, as your pastor, I want to encourage you to go and seek clarity to your situation, not only through prayer, but to go find someone to talk to that is honorable and it is wise and it is biblical to do so, to find that other person that can give you guidance in these trying times. Now, as we go through the text today, as I noted a minute ago, Peter has instructions for wives and for husbands. He has a bit more for wives than he does for husbands. So I'm going to attempt to balance it out today and, and focus a little on the wives and a lot on the men, right? So uh, I, I have personal experience there, and, and it's easier to preach to myself than it is to preach to others. But Peter goes into this, and he says, and likewise, Right? So, so before he begins talking about wives and husbands, he was just talking about what a Christian is to do, what someone who's in exile as a believer in Christ is to do with the government, what we are to do with, with, a, with a boss or with a master who is over us. And, and Peter came to the principle that it is to submit. 
this principle of submission. And as Peter speaks of it, though, it's not a principle for the sake of having a principle and saying, well, you know, I'm just going to submit to any, anyone and anything that has authority over me because that's what Peter said to do. But rather, there's actual meat behind what Peter is calling us to in this submission. The, the meat behind it is that Christ himself submitted to God the Father and submitted to his plan so that we might be saved. And it's that Christ is the one who compels us to submit in order that our lives would be lived in godly obedience. So he calls us to submit. And as he is talking to the wives, he begins telling them that, that your conduct matters. But he's already said that to all of us. Not just to the wives. A little bit earlier, he, he said that you should keep your conduct honorable amongst the Gentiles so that on the day of the coming of the Lord that they might see. And he says the same is true for wives and their husbands. If you've got an ungodly husband, your call is to remain honorable to the Lord keep your conduct in such a way that they would see the Lord's goodness through it. And he goes on to speak a bit more about that in, in, a, in a bigger general term. And, and I think this next part applies not only to wives, but, but to young women and, and girls like my daughter and everyone growing up, that he, he comes to say that we shouldn't be as worried about external looks as we are with inner beauty. And it's a struggle we all go through, right? Because when you look good, you feel good. And there's something about making yourself look good on the outside that just changes your spirit and the confidence you're able to walk around with. And, and I get that. Having, having some external looks so that you have some confidence is, is a wonderful thing. But Peter wants to point out here that, that as our call as Christians is to work on that inner beauty, to work on that inner beauty, and, and that essentially, as much time that is spent to get ready to go out for the day or to go out to an event, equal if not more time needs to be spent adorning your heart with Christ. There's true beauty in that. Adorning your heart with Christ, who is gentle and lowly. Then he talks to husbands. He talks to men. Mary says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as the weaker vessels, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Someone came to me and said, you know, the, the, the phrase live with your wives in an understanding way translated to uh, 21st century American is yes, dear. But here Peter says, he says, your wife deserves nothing less than 
your most elevated and intimate care and concern and love and honor. Nothing less than that. That that is, that is the call for us husbands here in the faith, here in this room. Our most elevated and intimate care and concern and love and honor. And the truth is, men, too many are fixated on our own needs and desires. Right? You heard the Bible, you heard Peter tell the wives to submit, to be quiet, and because they are weaker. But what you did not hear, to make this clear, what you did not hear was a, a permission to treat women poorly, to treat your wife like property, or to treat them as valued less than others. For too long, Christian men have used this scripture to claim an unhealthy demeanor and rule over women in their relationships. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that real men, that real Christian men, don't hold on to these scriptures and use them to beat the women down in their lives, but they hold on to these scriptures so that they can examine their own hearts. Right? A, a real man doesn't have to be some macho guy who goes out and hunts and fishes and, and can clean a deer. Right? That's, that doesn't make a real man. What makes a real man is a real man who shows up with the utmost care and concern for the women in his life. For you see, men, we've, we've got to remember this thing. We have a heart condition. The heart condition we talked about last week, it hasn't changed since last Sunday. We have the same heart condition this week that we had last week, and it's, and it's this pride, this ego, sin. We like to be in control of ourselves, and God can handle everything else. And then we get married, and we have a wife, and we have kids, and now we're going to be in control of our wife and kids, and God's got control of everything else. Because we like to be in control. But Peter here, when he writes, he gives this really cool example of Sarah to the wives. He says, look at Sarah. She submitted to Abraham. She called him Lord. So I think it's fair that men, we should look at Abraham. When we're considering our own heart condition, and, and, and if, if women are to look to Sarah, let, let's look to Abraham. Let's go back and, and think about Abraham and the life he lived here for a moment, right? Abraham, who was promised by God to be the father of many nations, right? That, that his seed would be the one to become God's people, the faithful people of God. And Abraham and Sarah, they go through uh, these different groups in these different villages, and when they arrive, Abraham and Sarah are there, and, and despite being led by God to where they're to go, Abraham takes things into his own hands. He takes control of the situation, and he says, let me introduce you to Sarah, my sister. 
not trusting of God's plan for him and Sarah and afraid of the consequences of them finding out that, that Sarah is his wife and what they may do to her. He introduces her frequently as his sister, not once, but a couple times this happens. Abraham tried to take control. And, and then there's the instance where God tells him he will be the father of many nations and then Sarah is barren and not having children takes it into his own hands again, lays with Hagar. Didn't fully trust God in that one either. See, man, our heart condition isn't unique to you. It's one we all have. It's one we carry with us, this need to take control when we think God's timing isn't matching up to our timing because we think our time is better than his time. But because we haven't reached glorification yet, that moment where we sin no more, it means that daily we battle flesh and sin in our lives. And not only do we battle flesh and sin daily in our lives, men, we bring that into every relationship we have and we've brought it into our marriages. We think the sin and the flesh we battle and we don't talk about with our spouse as, as if they can't see it and they don't notice it. There's no secrets in our house. We, we think we've buried things in a deep, dark place. They, they can see it. They know. But Paul says... The Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Romans, he, he says in chapter 8 that, that those who are in Christ Jesus have been given the Spirit of God to dwell within our hearts. And this is great. This, this is great for numerous reasons. But the reason Paul hones in here in chapter 8 is because he says, you have been given the Spirit of God, and with the Spirit of God, you now have the power to kill sin daily. Right? You now have the power to put your sin and flesh to death daily, or it will be killing you. You want to take control of something in your life? God has granted you his spirit to dwell within your heart. So take control and start using it to put that sin to death. You want a better marriage? Put your sin to death. You want to have a healthier relationship? Go kill your flesh and focus on Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Quit looking for faults in your spouse. And find that log in your own eye. Spiritual authority, headship of the family. Leading your wife does not mean that we get to walk around and act like a dictator or a tyrant to those we live with. If you are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, but have not love. Maybe he was talking about marriage. See, we have a heart condition. We all do. The sin, this pride. And Jesus came to die on the cross 
for that very sin. Carried it to the cross and the penalty that comes with it and three days later was resurrected and now we have been given his spirit so that we can put it to death in our lives. We've been born again. Called into repentance of our sins and to turn towards Christ. And so Peter's principle of submission in the marriage isn't just for the wives, it's for the husbands too. See, we too as men, we are called to submit. To submit to Christ, to submit to God, to submit our hearts fully to him. And then we're called to be like Christ. To be like Christ in our marriage. And there's a couple ways that we can find this out through scripture. What was Christ like? Well, the the one place we get a description of of Jesus' demeanor, of of his heart, his attitude, how, how he approached everything, is in Matthew 11, verse 29. It says he was gentle and lowly in the heart. And then in another place, on the night that he was to be betrayed, as he gathered with his disciples in the upper room to celebrate the Passover feast. In the Gospel of John, he he takes a towel to go and wash the feet of his disciples. They get a little upset about it. He says, the Son of Man came to serve not to be served. Men, we are to look to Christ when we are to look how to be in our marriages, in our relationships. We're to lead and to love our wives like Christ, gentle and lowly in heart, to sacrifice for them, To love our wives the way Christ loves the church. Carefully, faithfully, patiently, kindly and gently, joyfully, and with self-control. Not demanding. Not a clanging cymbal. Not an iron fist. But hear me when I say this, men, our call is to love first, to forgive first, to seek reconciliation first. Because Christ moved first in our lives too. So when husbands and wives are focused together on Christ in their marriage, And she's adorning herself with the inner beauty of Jesus. And you are submitted to Christ, looking to serve and to love and be gentle. That marriage is the most priceless painting of the love God has for his people that has ever been created.
And so both wives and husbands, men and women, were called into submission and into this life to be gentle and lowly in heart. For that brings glory to God. Amen. This morning, we are going to stand and sing. And as we stand and sing, raise a hallelujah. Um, I want to invite you all to sing, right? To sing with, to sing with this understanding that as we just talked about the beautiful picture of a husband and wife and, and a caring relationship that, and what that looks like, to raise a hallelujah, to understand as the church, we are Christ's bride, submitted to him, trying to adorn our inner beauty so that it's precious in God's sight. And Christ, Christ has sacrificed himself so that on the day we get face to face with God, you will be glorified forever. Let us stand and sing. Praise the hallelujah. Hallelujah.